Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I make a big announcement, speak with a gun-toning nomad, and learn about three-gun competition. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. And as always, across the table from me is the big man. Big Keith is in the house. How are we doing tonight, Keith? Uh, not as well as you. I mean, there's a bottle of uh, liquor on the on the ca- on the counter here. I I I don't can't remember another time that that's happened. You had a bad week. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> actually, I, I know what it is. You're excited. I am excited. I so I uh, am drinking Screwball. And for those of you that don't know what Screwball is, it is peanut butter whiskey. It is. Effing amazing. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Have you ever had it? Yeah. Yeah, had it's, it's really good. My sister bought me a bottle for my birthday. Yeah. So I poured myself a healthy pour. There's a, uh, a nice ice cube in there. So if you hear some sloshing around, you know what that noise is. But I just figured I'd keep the bottle here because it's cool looking. And, and you might need a refill. Maybe I'll refill. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Depends how the show goes. Things oh, are going saying. haywire. You know, yeah. poor, poor, deep pour. So anyway, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, I'm uh, you know having a having a good time, excited, enjoying the uh, the new uh, addition to the car fleet. I've had a, I've put almost a thousand miles on it. I have to say, man, that thing is a really beautiful car. Yeah, I got to stop driving it though. I uh, you know it's I it's got forty six thousand miles on it. I bought it with almost forty five, and yeah. so I feel like I need to put it away. And how old is that car? Twenty five years. I can't believe how good the paint is on it. Yeah, uh, that's what blows me yeah. away. It's like really, really nice. Yeah, I, I, uh, for the listeners that uh, just tuned in or didn't hear on the last show, I, I bought a uh, nineteen ninety six Lincoln Town Car, and at the time, it was the cheapest, lowest mileage Lincoln Town Car for sale in the country. It's crazy, and you got yeah, it, and I drove, and I got it, and I drove to Gettysburg and road tripped it back with the family. I was not smart. <laughs> there was one time where I thought, oh man, what if this thing breaks down? <laughs> can't think that way, man. No, that, no. They can't was, put that juju no, out of no, the universe. I, I, I had that thought for about 10 seconds when we pulled into Hershey and then I smelled chocolate and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's get down to business here. So you and I have talked a lot. Uh, we've had different guests on about this topic, but uh, when it comes to content creation, especially in the second amendment uh, sphere, mm-hmm. What's the biggest fear that we have as content creators? Getting shut down. You got to be able to do this on your own. Right. We talked about this. Who did yeah. we talk about this with? Jackie Billings, we talked about this with, and we it was really along the lines of um, SEO was my question to her because uh, I deal a little bit with that in my job. And uh, you know, I see search engine optimization as, as, an, as an area that could be restricted just based on terms because it also works in a positive way of getting you ranked uh, positively. So as easily as, lay, as the algorithms can rank you at a higher position, they could also put you in a worse position, I suppose. Right? Could, could, could flag you for something sure, to shut down, sure. right? So you got to avoid that. So we have an announcement to make, and I think it's a really good thing. Um, we don't want to get shut down. Right. That that's no. that's uh, counterproductive here. So uh, if you're listening out there, if you've been a, a listener, I know we have a lot of really loyal listeners and we appreciate that. We now have our own website uh, I'm, and I'm pretty proud of it. So uh, it is very easy to remember. It is the gun Oh, I wanted to give a drum roll. I forgot. <laughs> 
And, you know, the, the real reason for this, I mean, it's really just, it's a framework for us to do a lot of things, but I'm actually looking at it right now. But ultimately, I, when I did this, I said, I'm not going GoDaddy. I'm not going Squarespace. Like these companies, they'll shut me down in a heartbeat. I went to a company, I'm not even going to mention who they are on the air, but they are very, I would call them libertarian uh, leaning right in, in terms of their philosophy and do what you want yeah do what you want and i i paid extra for it i went the extra mile for it because i don't want to be shut down and it doesn't mean i can't be but it's going to put a lot of hurdles in between so if they ever take us down if they ever try to censor us our website has all of our episodes catalogs you can listen to every episode you can do that now you want to go to our website and listen to it you can do that there's uh, there's dope pictures on it I, I try to keep it looking pretty we 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 you don't get to see our faces still you don't, but there is a there is an about us, so you can see there's a there are pictures of us, it, just not That's our true. faces. Yep. And uh, you know, when you go on there, at the very top, there's what's called the top bar. Um, it gives you easy access to follow us on all of our social media. There's a support the show button, which not I'm not you know begging for money here, but if you want to support us and help us get a little extra gear and kind of keep things running here, you know, you can give a one time donation or or whatever. Um, you can listen to our episodes when we do blogs, which is not that many, to be honest, but you can read our <laughs> blogs. Uh, there's some FAQs. There's talk, a con- there, there might be some, there might be some coming yeah. soon. We, it's, you know, timing is everything for exactly, us. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there's a contact page. You want to contact us? You want to give us ideas yeah, for the questions. show? questions. We want, you know, anytime you got a question or anything like that, that'd be great to throw on there. Yep. There's a place to, sub- you could want to listen on Apple, Spotify, Google. You want to make fun of Mike or me, you can do that too. We got thick skin. Exactly. So anyway, what this is, guys out there listening, is this is a framework for you to go on and be able to always, always get your gun experiment fill. The one thing I would say is when you go on, there will be a pop-up for a um, uh, email subscription list. Please, please go subscribe. When you do, it's going to always notify you when a new episode comes out. But more importantly, God forbid something happens, something goes awry, we can always reach out to you. We have to have your information so we can keep you up on what's going on no matter what okay so that's that um and then we're gonna end this interview but before i do this interview this show is sponsored by resurgent arms go to resurgentarms.com uh will makes great new york cali compliant parts um we support them because i think they're the slickest looking personally um ergonomically they're really good and he is experimenting with some new products that are more nationally based so keep up with those guys at resurgentarms.com get 12 percent off with our discount code gun experiment 12 and now it is time to get into the show so our guest tonight is a former three gun match director writer for guns.com competitive shooter please welcome taylor thorne to the show hello hello taylor welcome how are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Sorry to uh, to do so much uh, yeah, that, housekeeping uh, there and keep you waiting, but uh, we're excited about this website, so I had to had to put it out there. Yeah, no, I like it. I actually, um, so I'm in the process of launching my own website and went through a lot of what you did. So same thing. I I went through someone who is somewhat uh, quote unquote like word of mouth, um, so I don't <laughs> have fear of getting deplatformed. And yeah. I used to work in e-commerce, so I found it really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually, it's so funny because, um, through the show, someone reached out to me on Instagram, DM would me and we became, I, I guess I'll say sort of friendly. And then I said, what do you do? And he said, Oh, I, you know, I do web stuff. And I said, do you do web design? He said, yeah. And long story short, we, I, I said, would you help me out here and work with me? And 
I mean, he did a great job. He's a pro gun he, guy, he which really made me feel job. really good. And we actually became friends because through the process, it was back and forth. Yeah. We had a lot of late nights and, you know, we're, we're actually buddies now. So it, it, it was good to work with a pro 2A guy. Helped us not make some mistakes. Oh, 100%. And they know they also know like sort of what your goals are. Um, they're going to be a lot more in line and also look out for what might come down the pipeline in terms yeah. of you know, regulations and stuff like that. So a hundred percent, I think you went the right route and that's why I did this, something very similar. Definitely. So Taylor, I, I, I have to start in the most complimentary way I possibly can. Uh, I'm not a social media guy, but Mike showed me some uh, of your Instagram stuff before we, we got on the interview and you are jacked. Yeah, yep. I, Thanks. <laughs> I, 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 uh, the, the picture you posted today of you rock climbing, it's like, holy crap, this girl is jacked. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny because about two years ago, I lost 25 pounds, uh, which, and I weigh right now probably between like 92 to 95 pounds, depending on how much I eat. All so muscle. 20, All 25 muscle. is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, so I, I lost 80, journey. I lost 80 in this year. So I'm, I'm, I've lost almost an entire Taylor. <laughs> you have, you have, and I just lost a quarter Taylor. So. Awesome. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. That's awesome. Awesome. So all right, let's get into this thing. So you're a former three gun match director from Vermont, I believe, correct? Uh, New Hampshire. Oh, New Hampshire. Okay. So what got you into that? Um, did you grow up around competitive shooting or was it something you sort of fell into later in life? Like what's the story here? Yeah. Oh, I didn't really grow up with it at all. Uh, I was 23 when I bought my first gun um, and actually started competing only like six months afterwards. Uh, so things escalated very quickly as per usual in my life. Um, and so three years of sporting clays. And once I got into three gun, uh, by the end of that season, I just felt so passionate about it. Um, I actually started match directing. Uh, there just, there wasn't a three gun program, uh, at the, at my local gun club. And there just was not a lot of three gun in general in new England. And I just really wanted to change that. Uh, so I did research, went to the board of directors and got it approved. Uh, so that was, by 2017 so that was the end of my first season of three gun now were firearms something of a conversation piece in your family growing up that was sort of acceptable was it just never talked about was it you know poo-pooed what's the where was the vibe growing up that's an iffy state Sure. Well, I mean, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, so in Texas, okay. like guns are super yeah. normal, yeah. right? Like, no one's ever going to think, uh, I, typically, at least back then, you, you know, no you one's see open carry down there, which I think is cool. Oh yeah. There's a ton of States you could open carry in. Yeah. Um, Actually, <laughs> Texas anyways, now? They, they want to just pass that. What's no, up? Texas has been open carry. It's new. If it is, it's very new. We're going to look into I'm that not- later. We're going to look into that later. Yeah. Yeah. I can look it up. But, um, I mean, I've seen people open carrying in Texas like my whole life. Yeah. I I thought it was, I thought it was a long time too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But so we didn't talk about guns in the household, um, cause we were in a big city, right? So we just didn't, I don't know, I guess have a need for them. Um, and I had a single mom and she just didn't own any. So, um, yeah, it just never really came up. Um, I more or less got into it once I moved out on my own when I was 23 and there is no police department. Mm-hmm. So that means if you dial 911, the closest uh, state trooper will get dispatched. And there's really no telling uh, how long that will take. How, how did that thought come to you? Did, were people around you talking about that or did you just come to that conclusion on your own? 
in terms of getting a firearm yeah. for self-protection. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just made sense, right? Because, again, New Hampshire is super pro Second Amendment. So firearms have always just kind of been around, you know, friends or family or whoever they own them. I just never had really direct exposure to it before. Got it. So you weren't against, but you didn't have a need. And then when you realized that eh, I might have a need, it kind of just was like, OK, I'll do this. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it seemed fun, too. So that's, that's, you know, yeah, sure. a couple of boxes. I specifically wanted to make sure to get something for self-protection and for target shooting. Uh, that was always in the plans to be able to target shoot as well and, and kind of have fun with it. What was your um, so first, first gun? Purchase. What's that? What was your first gun? Uh, a Glock 17 is okay. what I decided on. So that was my first gun. Okay. Yep. And uh, anyway, now now it's, it's dusty. <laughs> I haven't shot that gun in so long. You still have it. That's good. Yeah, well, it's sentimental. That's yeah, your first gun. Your first I mean, gun. you never really get that back. I, I actually recently traded in one of my firearms, and I said I would never do it. But it just it just kind of was one of those things where, all right, I, it's time. And I, I'm, I'm building a, a precision rifle in uh, in place of it so that was i got i got some parts and change for it so that was uh that was kind of the way the way i thought it would work but oh yeah i feel we all do that with gear like to justify the new stuff you have to get rid of yep. the old and it yep. hurts a little bit but you know you're you're getting something more of what you actually need cars i'm not getting rid of uh, any car <laughs> i own they're staying are <laughs> <laughs> you there so tell you you've since switched from match director to competitor um how's that transition been for you well, I had always been a competitor. So even when I was match directing, I would still compete in my own matches. Um, and I still competed in other matches. Now I have let go of the match director role completely, um, as you're kind of mentioning. And I mean, I miss it. But honestly, I volunteer enough at other matches. I get plenty of taste for, you know, <laughs> volunteer and supporting. I mean, I've I'm not crying over it. I'll say that much. Well, you can't, you can't, you know, be as competitive as you can be if you're also spending time doing some of that other stuff. Yeah, right. right. You can't improve if you're shooting less than other people. Yeah. They, right. Yeah. So now you're, you're actually a sponsored shooter, correct? Correct. Yep. So, so you must be pretty um, good. What's up? You must be pretty good then. <laughs> well, what's interesting is people always ask like, oh, how many matches have you won? Um, I haven't. I've never won a match in my life. And what's interesting, I'm really hoping to sort of uh, push the boundaries of what sponsorship and brand ambassadorship looks like within sports because I'm a mid-pack hero, right? But the value that I bring to the table is communication skills and the ability to uh, sort of appeal to a very wide audience that's not just in firearms, but outside of firearms. Sure. And that's why I've been able to land even like major sponsorships like Winchester is a pinnacle, right? To have as a sponsor uh, right. and then Safari Land and some of the other uh, bigger sponsors as well. So well, it, we, say it all, we say it all the time that the female shooter is the fastest growing demographic in, in firearms. So it makes sense from a business standpoint that they want to show other female shooters, like, look, like here's someone out there doing it and not necessarily winning, but just out there doing it because they want to encourage the growth of the female shooter, which they should, you know? Absolutely. And the thing too about women is, and I'm not trying to overgeneralize about like men's content versus women's content, but in general, yeah, ours tends to be a little bit more approachable, right? Because if you see this big burly guy shooting this 
big scary gun, it's kind of like expected. Um, and people could say, oh, well, you know, he's big and muscular so they could handle it. Um, but then you put someone like me on the same gun and it's kind of like, oh, well, hell, if she could do it, then I could do it. Yeah, it's an, um, it's an inspirational position, whether you right. are male or female or whatever, the, your story, the way you are is a good reason to get those type of sponsorships and get that type of support. And exactly. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's enough of that happening in any industry, let alone second amendment. world. Yeah, no, I you think, know? I think what's, what's cool about it is they recognize the value you bring because, you know, winning matches is obviously important and people definitely pay attention to that. But I think that you bring, you know, everybody brings a certain value to the market and I think that it's great that they're recognizing the value yeah. that you bring, you know, so. Absolutely. And it, sa it says a lot to these companies. And I think it says a lot to our industry where people are more interested in um, who individuals are morally um, and also trying to promote everything in a positive light versus just being performance based, yeah, um, sure. which many sports just fall into that. And I love how shooting sports has not fallen into that. And it's, it's such a supportive community. So now, you know, you, you've obviously taken a deep dive into the industry with all of that. So what's something that you know now that you wish you had known when you started competing, right? Because obviously I'm sure you've learned some <laughs> lessons. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> Everything. There is so much. Uh, what's interesting is this last week, I spent the whole last week rock climbing and coming into a new sport is super humbling because it reminds you of, um, so in my own sport, obviously competitive shooting, it's, I'm, you know, I'm a paid professional. So it's like second nature. Everything is completely second nature and you have the curse of knowledge. So you forget what people have to learn. So coming into climbing, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, there's lingo and there's gear routines and there's all these things. So what I would encourage for anyone who is just getting into it, um, I would say focus on one step at a time. There's a lot of layers and you just need to master uh, the foundations and build up that base um, each step along the way. Have you have you done any other competitive shooting? Um, outside of sporting clays, three gun, USPSA and PRS. Just yeah, I I know you, three gun is like that's probably your 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 biggest one, right? That's the one you're most known for. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I I thought I had read somewhere that you had done some sporting clays. I'm a big I'm a big uh, trap shooter and oh, I, I, I just uh, started ski a couple months ago and I'm actually falling in love with that more than than trap. But uh, um, I didn't know if you had done anything else other than those. So you've you've had some experience in a few other areas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've done um, trap and skeet and all of that, too. Have you done sporting clays as well or just trap and skeet? I've done sporting uh, sporting clays sporting on like clays? a personal, um, you know, just like for fun. I've never done it competitively. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's so much fun. I love sporting clays. It's just exciting to see like what uh, clay presentations people are going to come up with. Taylor, have you done uh, five stand before? Yep, I've done that as well. Uh, yeah, not for that. competition, but just for like a practice session at some local clubs. Yeah, I mean this. I'm gonna. This question is gonna come up again, unfortunately, for you during run and gun. But uh, do you, do you prefer shotgun over any of the other firearms or? Oh yeah, I yeah. mean the shotgun is it's, my. It's like my favorite. favorite. <laughs> I yeah, mine too. Uh, well, we're gonna find out if she's lying or not. Yeah, I guess happen. so. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, a shotgun by far is my. It's so versatile because you could shoot 
birdshot, buckshot, slugs. Um, I mean, you could have one that is geared towards like sporting clays or you could have tactical and recoil. I mean, recoil is just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I enjoy it a lot. I'm trying to get my wife into it. I bought her a, a BT 99 to get her started and, uh, she's, um, she's, she's, wants to go out just by ourselves actually our neighbor who is in our club with us he's going to help me out we're going to get out there by ourselves and she just doesn't want to be out there we, we've gone out a couple of times and everybody is trying to give her pointers and she's like i just want to go out with you and just you talk to me i don't want <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little tough you go and you're in a million opinions and yeah. everybody's trying and really it's it's really from a good place everyone really is yeah it's trying to help everyone's trying to be helpful but sometimes it's overwhelming when you go yeah. and you kind of hit the nail on the head you have all these typically guys and they're all kind of like breathing down your neck yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's yeah. a lot, you know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think all women deal with that. I definitely, especially in sporting clays because everyone wants to be helpful, yep. but there is, you know, if you're a coach or a teacher, you understand that there's a big part of the learning process where people have to just figure it out on their own. Um, and it's, you know, it's good to give pointers. Like I love if I'm doing something silly, like just tell me, uh, <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, you've got to kind of let people figure out things on their own. So I think that's, that's smart of her to ask you guys to get pulled aside for yeah. sure. So, you know, I think it's safe to say that anybody that looks at your Instagram, we're actually looking at it right now, um, as we're talking to you and, you know, people can find out plenty about Taylor, the competitive shooter. It's all out there. But I kind of want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to kind of touch on a couple of things that I think are just really interesting about you. Um, so I read somewhere that you were a varsity wrestler in high school. Is that true? <laughs> yes, I was. Um, I was the only female uh, for the school, so I made it co-ed. And I was the only female in my weight class uh, for the entire division. So what's amazing with that is, um, so I have, I have a little girl, and I say little, she's three years old. But what's amazing is I was just talking about this um, with someone I know, and women's wrestling is on is on the rise. It's a yeah. very fast growing sport. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh yeah, yeah oh, I don't know if you knew know. that. Yeah, no, it's so um, it's in the Olympics now, and uh, it's right now. Like, if you're a female wrestler in a high school and your grades are good and you're a decent, you know, varsity wrestler. I mean, scholarship potential is huge. We're getting our daughters in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. And I will say one thing that was interesting, at, at least in New Hampshire, I can't speak for other states, is wrestlers were always the academic students. Like our team had uh, the valedictorian. Almost wow. all of our wrestlers were honor society kids. So, and that is the same for all of the rest of the schools. For whatever reason, wrestlers tended to be also really, really good students as well. That, that um, wasn't our high school. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, that was ours. And that was a lot of the schools. Um, we had we were uh, the smallest team in Division One for New Hampshire. And there we so we went against some really elite schools, like where people would actually move their families to those towns just wow. so their kids could wrestle for them. That's wow. Cool. You know, it's funny because I always say like, I always felt felt bad for and this is speaking now as a father of, of a little girl. Uh, and I have an older daughter, too, but she's well past that time, that stage of her life. But um I always say, like, I feel bad for boys who have to wrestle the girl on the team because if they win, well, you beat a girl, dude. And if they lose, dude, you <laughs> lost to a girl. But now I have a little girl and I'm like, you know, if she wanted to wrestle, I'd be totally supportive of it. And I would look to that kid on the other side and be like, you better beat her. Like, bring your A game because she's she's not she's not expecting anything less than your A game. Like, you better bring it. Yeah. You know? Well, this is 
something that I have definitely have brought up so much. And really what it comes down to is I've, I've found personally that, yeah, every now and then you would get a boy. Like, I think I only had two people walk away from me where they're like, nope, not going to, cause my name is wow, Unisex. Really? So it was a surprise, right? It's not like an, I'm app, surprised. you know, an, yeah. Yeah. It's not like I have a name like Felicia where they're like, oh, it's a girl. It's Taylor. So they're assuming yeah. they're, they're going against a guy. And then I show up and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I had do a couple you think of the refusal, that. Sorry to interrupt. Do you think the refusal was out of respect for you or do you think it was I'm not wrestling with it's, a girl? It's that. It's I think it's that. I think um, there actually each one was different. One was out of respect uh, because he was like, I just like can't do that because mom raised me different. Right. Uh, the other one was almost like an attitude. Like I'm not wow. going to girl. Like, yeah. like he was better than that. Okay. So, so is it safe to, is it safe to say that you love competition just in general? <laughs> oh, I've been competing literally my entire life in some sort of sport. That's yeah, awesome. I'm a very competitive yeah, person. Awesome. Yeah, it- but I, I do encourage the wrestling. Uh, one thing that is really interesting is um, I actually had a really great conversation with uh, another one of my friends who is a professional shooter. And we try to figure out like how her and I are both like really strong, independent women. And why do other women struggle with that? Mm -hmm. And we both realized we were in martial arts uh, as girls Mm -hmm. growing up. And that instilled a lot of confidence. And when you're working with men, like in a physical way like that, when you're wrestling them or maybe it's jujitsu or kickboxing, um, you're just you learn platonic relationships of where it's like we're we're just doing work, right? Like we're competing and we're drilling and we're doing this. And I think it's really, really good, um, for women. So, um, you actually mentioned, uh, jujitsu. So I saw on Instagram that you had trained, I think it was your first time you'd ever trained. Have you done any more since then? Um, I have done some and jujitsu is awesome. And what was crazy is with the grappling background, everyone was like you are lying. You have done jujitsu. And I was like, no, I just did wrestling. And I understand like everything just snapped right back. It's been 15 years, but it's amazing. That muscle memory. Yeah. It's such a good foundation. So I, so I'm a, I'm a blue belt in jujitsu and, uh, Oh my gosh. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I gotta be honest. Like I did not have an easy road. I started like later in life and like it did not click for me. Like my white belt journey was not smooth. And oh. I remember when you first told me, I was like, you are you a little old to be doing it? <laughs> and well, it's funny because you know I got the blue belt. I actually got it just after COVID, and I mean I'm I'm like a, I was a long, long white belt. You know, like just and some of it was injuries and stuff. But um, lately, like things have just been clicking. But you mentioned something about you know the the whole thing with like um, rolling or or grappling with uh, females, and I got to tell you, you want to get like a dose of like ego check. Like go on the oh, mats. Yeah. With, there, there are sixteen-year-old kids that I'm telling you, like you're a grown man, you will get your ass handed to you, like <laughs> yeah, legit. Like I mean, I'll straight say, up athletes. Like, jiu-jitsu women, they are badass. <laughs> yep. Legit. We have a purple belt in our gym, and like, man, I, I would put her up against like ninety percent of men. Like, you know, if they're even, if they're even like, you know, close to her weight, and even, even, even not, she's gonna destroy him. She's so oh, talented. You know. Yeah. Well, so women uh, have a much better sense of balance, typically more flexibility, better center of gravity. I mean, I think naturally we're really built for it. You just have to learn how to um, spar in a way that works for your you and your build. Yeah. 
So I feel like part of the reason why, like, if you even if you wanted to do jujitsu, like, it would be a little tough for you because you definitely live a very interesting lifestyle, and I kind of want to get into that. So you live a, a what I would call a nomadic lifestyle. You yeah. uh, travel the country. <laughs> you travel the country as a single woman, and you have at least last I heard was single. That's what Jackie told me. Uh, and you, you know, travel around in a trailer pulled by a forerunner, correct? Correct. So have you always had such wanderlust? Have you always kind of just searched for the adventure like that? No, what is absolutely crazy. And I actually talked about that in my social media post today is I, this was not my lifelong dream. Um, I actually didn't travel a lot before, didn't even take my first vacation until I was 28 years old. Um, and the only travel I had done was moving to New Hampshire from Texas when I was 13 and just flying back and forth. But that's just like family. Um, and within the last year I've driven over 40,000 miles. I've been literally like coast to coast, border to border on each corner of the country. Like (laughs) that's amazing. Are, are you still, I've covered three States. (laughs) Wow. Are you still in the same trailer in Toyota you were in from the start? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it takes a while I think to settle in, um, and to have a rig change so soon. Most people, what they do when they uh, go into full-time nomad life is you have one rig that you will run for a year or two, save up your money. And then you do all the things that you should have done the first time on your second one. (laughs) What has that experience kind of been like? Has it been, um, you know, like what's the maintenance been like? Were you prepared for that? Oh, it, the whole thing has been a adventure. I mean, let's put it this way. Before buying this camper, the only thing I had towed in my life was a utility trailer with my motorcycle on the back, right? And the first time I towed it was 700 miles from New Hampshire to Virginia. So let's just call it on-the-job learning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, I think I saw somewhere, I think it was a video on YouTube. But I thought you had a, I thought you were like a YouTuber as well, but I didn't see a whole lot on YouTube with you. But you yeah. did see- I'm really trying to develop that, but yeah. man, editing has so, it Ugh. takes so much yeah. time. So I don't know how I Mike have, does it. I would love to do video, but I, audio is my thing. I love this. I love this medium so much. But anyway, you had done a video where it was you like doing repairs and improvements to your trailer, I think is yeah. what I saw. And I'm like, man, like she, you really must have hit, I have to figure out how to do this on my own because I mean, it would cost you a fortune, right? And that's, awesome i think it's awesome that you uh just took this on like a full head of steam like that you know i 100 yeah, i mean you, you have to uh the thing is again anyone who lives uh, a nomadic a true nomadic lifestyle you're often not near society so <clears throat> besides the financial component of any sort of rv repairs being very expensive just because it's a niche you know it's a it's a luxury yep. for most people <clears throat> so they jack up the prices but uh, understanding your gear, because if things break down in the middle of nowhere, you've got to be able to fix it. And that is is, is really important because oftentimes like you're you're not going to have service, whatever. <laughs> give, give me give me a list of like two or three things that you prepared for when you made the decision to live this lifestyle that were, thank goodness, absolutely the right things you did. Um, 
So this one's interesting. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I'm sitting in the front seat of my car just because it's a little bit more insulated in my car than in the camper um, is actually purchasing maps, like physical yeah. paper atlases. My father would GPS. love that answer. Well, GPS goes <laughs> down, right? My dad, uh, Not I want to keep here the other ones, but I, I have to tell the, my I was not allowed to take my road test until I could show my father I could read a map. Yes. Oh, I love him. <laughs> uh, just a couple days ago, what I'll normally do is either the night or the morning of a trip, I'll set out the Atlas and with my phone and computer setup, I'll, you know, draw out my line on the map. And the friend I was staying with asked, she was like, why do you do that? And you know, I went through it. And a lot of it is because if you lose service, if your phone dies, if you lose your phone, um, even just when you're driving, it's nice to look at a town name and then just sort of grab the paper map and immediately be able to look and visualize where you're kind of at. You, you said you put on you put on 40,000 miles. My dad is 74, 75 years old. He still to this day has put on 50 to 60,000 miles a year since I was, I'd say about 10 maybe 13. That's crazy. My father, we are kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet I bet my dad has over 3 million miles, maybe 4 million miles wow. under his belt. I just want to let you know, Taylor, that this interview is going so well that I just settled in and just poured myself another whiskey, just so you know. So, oh my, but but oh this could, if things go south, you'll know why. <laughs> So, I might I might have to uh, migrate my computer to the camper and get a get a beverage myself. That a girl. <laughs> I have one other one more question about this traveling situation. What preparation do you have you taken to travel with firearms? Right, it's your responsibility to know what you're able to do in what states. So, how do you prepare for that? Um, well, the biggest thing is knowledge, right? Uh, one thing that I do is I carry a copy of FOPA, which is Firearm Owners Protection Act, in my glove box um, because that's going to protect you for interstate travel. No matter all of your guns and everything could be completely illegal in that state, but you're, you, you know, you're granted passage. It, it, yeah. So, you, if somebody doesn't know that. If somebody, yeah, hold on. Could, could you give a little, I don't know what that is. Could you give a little more detail on what that is? Because that's very interesting to me. Oh, yeah. This is so important. Oh, I'm so excited to bring this to the table then. Yeah. Um, so FOPA is the Firearm Owners Protection Act, and it basically grants you uh, legal passage through through any state, as long as it's legal in point A and point B, right? So to give you an example, uh, in New Hampshire, we're very pro-Second Amendment, uh, so you can pretty much own whatever you want, right? And then I do shooting competitions in other states, for instance, Pennsylvania, where the firearms I have are also legal. However, in between New Hampshire and Pennsylvania is what we consider the gauntlet. <laughs> and that is New Jersey, New York. Massachusetts. We live there. Where we live. We live there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank. That's that's what I say when I see our king. Yeah. So Taylor, let me let me interrupt you really quick. So so I all right, I didn't know you, it. You basically can hand this to the police officer that they they probably they may not know if they don't know about. Is it. that correct? Exactly. That, yeah, okay. and that's why I do it because uh, you want to be respectful with police officers, and to be quite honest, a lot of them are not familiar with firearm laws. Yep. So that way, yep. you can immediately be like, "Hey, I did my research, and plus, I'm making an effort to show that I'm doing the legal right thing." All right, so you have to still do carry it. You can't like carry it loaded on the dashboard. Yes, right? yes, yeah. You, know I mean? you got to be following their local laws and stuff. But so, exactly. Keith, this is a great question, by the way. I just want to point that out. I know. Yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> Damn it! I hate when I have to compliment you. It's a great question. But I don't win very many on this show, so I'm going to take it. I have to concede a lot. <laughs> All right, so Taylor, so I, I, I did know that. I didn't know it in terms of like there's a document and whatever, but. 
So now here's my question. If you are, let's say, going from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire and you're going to go through New York, which is the great state we live in, I say that <laughs> with a roll of the eyes, um, right? I know, I'm aware of the fact that you can do that. Now, I've been told you can't, you could not stop here and say, hey, uh, Mike, is it okay if I stay at your place? I'm going to be, you can't do that because now you're staying overnight is what I've been always told. Correct. And I've also been told that there's a little bit of like gray area in terms of, now this is a little nitpicky, but I, I'm, I'm stopping for gas. Yeah. Right? Like, Oh, that's fine. No, that's in FOPA that you, I mean, obviously you're traveling. <laughs> okay. Right. So one, like you could stop for gas, you could stop for food, that kind of thing. They just don't want you staying over. Okay. So one last thing, cause this is the one that this is my sticking point. New York city. I've, I have friends that are cops, you know, retired cops from New York city and they have flat out told me, Mike, if you, especially airports, cause like, you know, people think you can fly, you can fly, right? You can fly as long as you do it properly. But yeah. The yep, second 100%. they see a gun in New York City, you're arrested. Even properly checked. Even properly checked. There's stories of it all the time. You're arrested. And you're go- you're going to jail and you're going to court. That's like I mean, that is documented. Why how are they able to and I'm not saying you know the answer to this, Taylor, but like how are they able to get away with that? I mean Oh, oh, hold, I actually have the answer. I love it. Um, I may not be able to articulate it a hundred percent just because it's been a while since I talked nope. about this. You're good. But an airport is not included in FOPA, right? So it has completely different regulations. So that's why that happens in airports. So oh. when you're on the interstate, you could drive through New York city. It's fine. Um, it's completely legal, but it's once you go into the airport, then things change. Okay. That's the difference. Okay. So that's interesting. However, and I'm not calling you a liar, Taylor. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being honest. If I was on the interstate going through New York City and a cop, a New York City police officer pulled me over and said, do you have anything in the trunk? I would flat out lie. There's no way I'm, there is no. Well, the, people can do that even with the yes, protection of robots. Yes. No, but well, I, you know what? I just popped open um, a spotted cow local brew from Wisconsin and I'm just going to drink that and not say anything. <laughs> no, I listen, I, I'm being, you know, I, I really am fearful in New York City. And this is really for well, the, the listeners, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm fearful in New York City that if a cop sees a gun, because of what Taylor just said, they're not knowledgeable about the gun laws, especially in New York City. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm just we're gonna we're gonna continue to hope Nyserpa and Corelet goes the way it needs to go, and that won't be a problem anymore. That's fair. That's fair. And then I don't have to lie. Then no, I, you don't have to lie. Then I can just say. And check then Taylor my doesn't have to drink her beer. Yeah. <laughs> now drink your beer. That's a, I like that. I want to. I want to. I want. I want to drink him, buddy. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, it is really interesting. And, um, and, and there's just so much to it. So what I recommend for anyone is to download the USCCA app. That's what I yeah, use. That's a good um, app. USCCA will show you where you can and cannot legally carry with the licenses you have. So I have uh, a New Hampshire license, which actually is not required. We have constitutional carry in New Hampshire, but it has reciprocity with other states. It, plus, I have other out-of-state licenses as well. Yeah, that's a great website. I used I've used that a lot for traveling myself. Um, what What did some of your friends and family warn you about when you started this journey? And uh, like some of the scary things that they said, did any of them come true? Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, is being solo. People were not. I mean, I've always my whole life been known as being independent. I could take care of myself, but that doesn't mean people were not worried about me. Obviously, going out into the wilderness by myself. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and one thing that I can give for recommendations for any women that are out there who 
are traveling by yourself. I mean, things that I have done is I have uh, a pair of my brother's boots that I sometimes set out. I always set up two chairs, maybe even two drinks. Just make an effort to not appear alone because everyone assumes as a female that you're with someone. It's not until that you kind of show it's only one person there that they assume otherwise. So smart, by the way. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think of that. Yeah, the boots and the two chair. That's really, really smart. Yeah, good yeah. Uh, good I'm, tactics. I'm going to bring my boots everywhere I go now. <laughs> <laughs> a, or a pair, a pair of high heels, you know, can yeah, go both yeah. ways. I'm a smaller guy, so I'm going to bring Keith's boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother was like a size 11 or 12, so I was like, these will do. They're like big construction boots. <laughs> That's funny. So I'm sure there's a ton of amazing opportunities with that lifestyle. I actually, uh, real quick, I, my wife and I, a bucket list thing for us was to travel the entire country perimeter by train, uh, sorry, by, oh. by, by, by public transportation. And we broke a couple of rules. We had to break a couple in a couple of places, but like Montana, we had her in the car. There's no way to get around. In public no, you're, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we traveled 30 days around the perimeter of the entire country, which was really that's cool. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, I actually was in Savannah, Georgia, and a couple was there from Orlando, and they were just ranting and raving about the train. They're like, yeah. we aren't yeah. going to travel any other way. No more airpl- or airplanes, n- you know, just train. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm aware of the opportunities, and like your lifestyle just would present so many more, but have there been any bad experiences or maybe even scary situations yeah. that you want to share with us, like things that, you know, really went south? Oh, I mean, for sure. The, the thing is that it's a matter of statistics, right? In the lifestyle that I live, I am in a different place almost every single week being exposed to new environments, new people, and that could be somewhat unpredictable. In fact, it is unpredictable, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I would say probably, I mean, maybe the worst instance I had was in Florida. I was uh, right above the Everglades in uh, actually Native American territory on an Indian reservation. Um, and almost got ran off the road. Someone actually, uh, hit me. Um, and it was late at night. It was dark. It was a narrow road. And that scared me because when you're an Indian reservation, if there was an accident, um, I, it's like, you're not even, you don't even have like American laws, right? Right, You're you're under Indian law. It's like being in a foreign country. (laughs) So, which is terrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah, So that was probably, uh, the scariest incidents after that. I'm actually, I'm looking into getting uh, a truck gun, um, just because a lot of scenarios went through my head where they could have easily blocked the road. I would have been trapped because there was swamp on either side of the road. Yeah. Are you thinking like but, a, like a shockwave or something? Yeah, like a that's small... I wanted to know the same thing. I'm actually it? looking at the, uh, the Maxim PDX. Uh, so it's a SBR chambered in uh 762 by 39, which okay. is a pretty devastating round and a really small package. It's pretty sweet. Okay, cool, cool. So, you know, listen, I, I get paid uh, a lot of money to ask the tough questions on this show. So I, I, I have to ask, is dating in the nomadic lifestyle difficult? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think all it is, is you just have to, um, you know, travel in groups of people that you would organically travel with. And, but I'm not looking to, you know what I mean? Do any of that stuff per se. Good for you. I'll leave it at that. Just, (laughs) just, just, just enjoy, just enjoy Taylor. Just enjoy your, your life. Listen, I think you're ahead of your time. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I I have dreams of aspirations of doing things like this. And I I think you're doing it at this age. You're going to be, you are going to be way better off in a lot of different aspects, not just experiences, but, but probably even financially over time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, uh, it's no, it's no mystery. I yeah. mean, like You're I going to be able to retire and live life on this rock without the pressure <laughs> of everything else. Oh, you know? 
percent. Well, I mean, so the thing is that, um, I mean, I do have uh, a partner, so you know, long distance, whatever. That's that's the thing. Um, okay. I just am not very public with any of that stuff. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> the other thing too, really, is that um, you know, just making sure I think. Uh, to be smart financially on the road yeah. as well. No, yeah. I think yeah. it's, are you a big believer in like that fire theory, you know, um, financial independence, retire early? Oh, I mean, I'm basically retired right now. Yeah, I feel you're like. living a life. <laughs> you're that's living the life. That, that's, I, I was, I'm glad that was the answer. So awesome. Honestly, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, envi- I'm, I'm, envious. I'm doing the work that I love. And, and that is, you never work a day if you do what you love, right? Yeah. 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 Well, no, I, I love what I do, but I'm working. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, I, I'm very... I, I retract that. Yeah. <laughs> there is actually work, but it's enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I was I was kind of like sort of joking a little bit with the, the whole like uh, dating on the road thing. But I mean, I, I was actually single for a very long time. I got married late, much later in life and I, I don't regret it, you know? So I think it's cool that you're living your life and doing your thing. And I think that's awesome. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I love solo travel. It's something that is super important to me. And, um, I find alone time very valuable, um, because it gives you the space to self-develop and, you, everyone needs to do that. And the way that I see it, and I've done the math on this and it's absolute insanity, absolute insanity is how much vacation time it would have taken for me <laughs> to have the time that I've had since <laughs> oh, being on the road. Don't even tell me it's not enough in like normal people's lifetime, probably. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I used to get two week vacations and I didn't do the technical math of, you know, when you have t- 10 year, maybe you get an extra week, whatever. Yeah. But what I estimated was roughly 20 years. Oh God. Wow. 20 right. years. And, and most me. of that time is spent on self-development. So think about like how much that grows you as a human being. Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, I just, I kind of want to wrap this up a little bit and, and do some more fun stuff, but you are a writer and contributor for guns.com. Um, how did you get that opportunity? And, and do you have a favorite article that you've written so far that people might want to check out? Yeah, well, so how it came about was really neat uh, because I was match directing. They had actually wanted to come to one of our matches to film another competitor. And once they came to the match, what was interesting is they, they did filming with that individual. But then they came to me and said, we actually like you on film a lot better. Would you be interested in maybe doing a couple of reviews for us? Um, and I mean, I was tickled pink. I was like, yes, they, you know, they weren't paying me or anything. It was just like a test trial. Uh, it worked out really well. And after that, they started giving me assignments after giving assignments. I am now a regular monthly contributor, uh, with them, which is, which has been neat. And then I've branched off and I now contribute for other, uh, media platforms as well. That's really cool. 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 So where can people find you? Tell, give us all your, all your spots. And of course we're going to put them in the show notes, but just tell people where they can find you. Oh, so the biggest thing I would say is Instagram. I'm much more active on Instagram when I'm in service. Uh, that is taylorthorne.adventures. And the same handle goes for YouTube just to make it easy. That's something that I'm going to be working on as well. And I am launching a website, as mentioned earlier, which is taylorthorneadventures.com. Uh, there's some material on there. Actually, now since I'm in Minnesota, I'm going to meet up with the developer and we're going to start finalizing stuff. So it's going to look pretty good here soon. Cool. Excited. Very, very yeah. cool. So that will have um, a lot more blogs and actual like travel writing and tips and stuff like that on it. Very cool. Cool, cool, cool. So we have a tradition on the show called Running Gun, which you obviously, you uh, are a, uh, you do your homework because you listen to Jackie's episode. <laughs> so we're going to do Running Gun and we're hoping you would do it with us tonight. Of course. It's funny. Jackie prepped too. 
So like a lot of guests don't prep, but both Jackie and uh, I'm the second woman on the podcast. I think this is just showing you we come to the table. You're actually (laughs) our third. You're actually our third now. Um, We just had another one um, just prior to you. Um and yeah, so you're Arthur. We're we're trying to boost the uh the female guests a little bit, I guess. Look at the ladies rolling in. Yes, yeah. for real. And you guys, we had a play. lawyer in between you guys. I don't know if that matters, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Way to break it up. Yeah. All right, let's do this thing. So, are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Ooh, okay. I'm gonna say my shotgun, a braided B12i. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, definitely a bear at 50 cal. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? My brother. Favorite caliber? Um, I'm going to say, this one I have a hard time with. Mm, oh, no, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go 12 gauge. Yeah. Favorite, yeah. Hobby, favorite hobby, not gun related? Oh, this is a hard one, too. Uh, off-roading. Well, you're retired. You got so many of them. Yeah. I know. <laughs> true if you could have one superpower what would it be i'm going to say the ability to change people's minds oh good one all hell breaks loose is it better to be armed or trained um trained 100 percent. is it better to be loved or feared loved rifle pistol or shotgun shotgun had to say that had to do it you're you're in the worst scenario imaginable who do you want to have your back other than your spouse Oh, my best girlfriend, Christina, for sure. Nice. She's a badass. Nice. Let's mix it up. All right. So tonight on Let's Mix It Up, we want to learn all about the ins and the outs of three gun competition and who better to teach it than you, Taylor. Yay. So, I. all right. Let's let me start by saying this. There's three guns. There's three guns. Yes. I know that. <laughs> yes. People always ask that. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> this sport does interest me, but for some reason, I just can't get into it. I, I'm interested in it, but I just can't get. Into it. Oh, really? Okay. Tell me. Talk, talk to me here. I want right. to I want to learn. I want to know your perspective. So, you know, what it is I, I really kind of gravitate more towards the tactical stuff. That's why I do jujitsu. Like I'm all about like I just want to be able to like survive, survive and like <laughs> defend my like protect my family. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of go towards that. And like we had Rob Pincus on the show and we were like, Rob, like what's the tactical application of yeah. competition? He's like, there's none. There is none. <laughs> what? That is a lie. I will well, call Rob right now and we can hash it out. Should, <laughs> I would, I love, would love that. I pay money. <laughs> do you know? Rob? Do you know Rob? I don't, but I'll oh, call him. I, I wish he did. That. Oh, man, that would be we gotta awesome. Make this, we got to call Rob. We're yeah. going to make like, this happen. Hey, my name is Taylor. Um, <clears throat> what's that segment that's put on by Louder Than Crowder? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Change my mind. Change my mind, yeah. Okay, so let's start with this. But I, I, I know a little bit, but not a lot. So I know there's different classifications, right? Like there's like a stock classification that you can modify your firearms and stuff like that, correct? Correct. Okay, so start off by telling me what the different classifications are. Oh, goodness. Uh, this is a deep rabbit hole. So oh, boy. Oh, boy. I Give me the dime to- store version. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to give you the short version. Um, so in three gun, typically you have uh, tack ops, which is normally what um, that's basically a scope on your rifle. That's going to be a semi-automatic shotgun and then a regular, you know, semi-automatic pistol without an optic on it. <clears throat> and then they also have limited, which means that you only have a red dot on your rifle. 
Um, they have a heavy metal division, which means that you have a pump action shotgun and you're only shooting larger calibers. Um, and then open, which is more or less like Bring anything goes within legal. Yeah. So that's where you have, um, you know, this, um, you know, the mag fed shotguns and the open pistols and all those guns come out. Okay. So let's say that I'm going to get into this gear wise. I have a, a double stack nine millimeter. I have an AR 15 and I have a pump action shotgun. Can I just go? Or right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have people that, and I tell anyone, if you're interested in three gun, genuinely, um, this is absolutely the truth. You could reach out to your local match director, tell them what you have for gear. And if you're missing anything, I'm sure that they will find competitors at the match. that could lend you stuff. We do that all the time. Um, I mean, we have people that show up to matches sometimes without like a shotgun or a rifle and they just get lent the firearms because we want to lower that barrier of entry and not everyone is ready to make that, you know, capital investment before they know that they really like the sport. It does seem a little intimidating, I think sometimes to people. So that's great to hear. Are there any other things that would make people feel less intimidated? I mean, we have people of all abilities. That's the biggest thing. I thought when I went into competitive shooting, I was so nervous because I was so new at firearms, but they have different classifications of shooters for a reason. So you have your entry level shooters and you have your professional level shooters and a few uh, classifications in between. Um, So you don't have to be this top shot. I mean, I literally I had one match where there was a guy who I cannot make this up had never shot a gun before and he shot a competition. He did a lot of dry fire. He watched a lot of YouTube videos. He was safe. He listened to our O's and he got through the match and he did well. I was just going to ask how well he did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was like last place, but, (laughs) but he finished. How does scoring work? Is it, I I mean, I get the, I know like there's different types of targets and there's, you know, there's knockdowns and there's things that throw like um, clay, clay pigeons up and you have to shoot those. So, but like, what is the actual scoring? How does that we work? We use a system called time plus, which means the amount of time that it took for you to complete the stage plus any penalties that you incurred, and which would be shooting uh, penalty targets, missing targets, that kind of thing. And by by uh, penalty targets, you mean like if it's like a quote unquote hostage target and you shoot the hostage, not the person you're supposed to shoot, stuff like that? Uh, sure. So, um, you know, we don't use, again, like, quote unquote, hostage targets, per se. Uh, that's, you know, why we call them either penalty targets, because okay. in uh, internationally, um, in competitive shooting, that's like no, no. a no, no, per okay. se in America. It's like, you know, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, so when you hit those targets, uh, it's no bueno. Okay. And and obviously missing a target, right? So like, if you hit a popper, and if you oh, miss- yeah, well, Keep in mind, there's plenty of penalties to incur. Those are just the bare basics. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, now, for me, like, I'm not a big shotgun guy. Um, we know. I definitely like rifle and pistol better. There is two gun, correct? Yes. Yep, there's two gun. There's obviously uh, plenty of competition for each gun individually by itself. Uh, there is uh, so many different variations of competitive shooting. And I think two, there, there's something for everyone. Two gun is typically pistol and rifle. Yes. Okay. Do you find that to be more tactically minded? Um, I wouldn't say so because everyone's preferences are going to be different, right? I mean, right. someone might prefer a shotgun over a, a pistol. So yeah. when you shoot three gun, you will have some stages which are just rifle handgun. You'll have other stages which are maybe just pistol. And it, it's any combination of the firearms that you may use. So it's not like every single stage you're using all three guns. Does the course of fire change between competitions or is it always the same? 
Oh, it is infinitely different. I've never shot the same stage twice. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Do you still favor shotgun out of the three gun? Oh yeah. I think that is. And honestly, I I love uh, the athletic part. I love um, any stages that require you to either go over obstacles or run or do something that's a little bit more physically challenging. Mm Mm-hmm. Because three gun is like athletic, like your normal handgun only USPSA match. Your stage might be 20 seconds at the longest and three gun. We, it might take us two minutes to finish a stage. It is oh, like endurance. Yeah. And you probably get some adrenaline running in a little bit sometimes, right? And you're reload oh, yeah. and you're reloading and you're, you're dumping the shotgun and you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, moving a lot, right? There's yeah. a lot of motion in terms what? of physically running, but also, you know, like I said, reloading and changing from oh. one. Uh, and mentally it's three times the amount of stage planning. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. What what are um what are some of the biggest safety features you would want people to to know going into the competition? What do they need to be most aware of? Um the biggest thing really is I mean, don't break the 180 right to the mm-hmm. back berm. You need to make sure that you stay within 180 degrees to that backstop uh for safety. Keep your finger out of the trigger guard. You know, you don't take your gun out of the holster unless you're under RO command. Um, I mean, it's like if you have any questions, just ask the RO. Basically, um, you know, make sure to read through the rules real quick because each range and each match might have different safety rules that could get you disqualified. So you want to make sure that you stay within those. Yeah, I've I've seen YouTube videos of people like, uh, you know, uh, accidental discharges and things like that. Like, has that does that happen often? Um, I wouldn't say ADs are as often, but I've seen them plenty of times. I've seen ADs at, at lots of matches. It just happens. I mean, yeah. statistically in most major matches, you could assume that somewhere around 10% or lower people are going to get disqualified. Um, things just happen, right? Yeah. It's a lot of people and, with a lot of guns, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of people with a lot of guns. And, you know, normally it an AD is a really bad DQ. It's not as common, but normally it's something like breaking the 180 or, you know, maybe you improperly abandon a gun, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. How about, is there a handicap or a rating system that you have to, you know, qualify for? Like, kind of like, I'm thinking of like, like trap, you know what I mean? Like you got to shoot so many rounds before you. Oh, nope. Not unless cool. you're going for like Team USA type stuff. Okay. So if you're like terrible, like if I went, I would be horrible. And like, there's just, I just have to compete against the best in the world. And just, I just, that's it. it. Yeah. Just deal with it. Well, you're within your division, right? So right. if you are okay. a D class or a C class shooter, you're going to compete against other people. So that. there was a handicapping then yeah. in that case, in, in a way. And yep. I guess I just didn't relate it in that way, but yeah. So you have a division. So you have uh, D, C, B, A goes all the way up to grandmaster in terms of, uh, so there's a very wide uh, range of skill levels. Do you just pick that division yourself or do you do something to be able to go oh, it's like you just you gotta i mean you, you gotta, gotta earn, earn that you gotta <laughs> earn, yeah, 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 yeah yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. and that's more for uspsa which is the pistol uh for three gun um there's it's kind of like a that's more or less like a free-for-all <laughs> got it got it got it all right well i want to thank you for coming on the show i mean uh it really was a a great opportunity to speak to you i mean you live a very interesting life and and i think all the stuff you're doing in the firearms industry like i said you know uh females are the fastest growing demographic so i think that favorite any, line any i love it but i love that stat but anytime that we can get someone on that is doing really positive things in the second amendment i love to have uh have those people on so thank you so much and thank you for sharing your uh, knowledge of three gun with us because uh, we know nothing thank you for having me yeah and i hope you had a good time and i hope you'll come back again absolutely awesome thanks taylor yeah thanks for coming on thank you keith, <laughs> thanks guys keith thanks for being here you're welcome buddy all right